can't touch this. If you're not the underdog, how are they keeping you down? How are you the underdog? See, today I think it's important for us to revisit what divine protection really is. Okay. Uh, before we get into today's show, because I think it's going to go one of two ways. One way we talk about why I may have to call up Patrick Byrne and be like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I talked about your friend who I don't know personally, and I see that he did something good. Can we have a conversation about this? Or I can have another piece to this J, uh, to this election fraud puzzle, who kind of Patrick Byrne let slip out, who's a very good friend of mine. So we're going to see. We're going to see which way goes which. Now, a lot of people think to themselves, you know, I'm really worried about this. I'm really worried about that. I have a problem with this. This is a problem for me. I need to fix this. God is for us a refuge. Those are big words that a lot of people don't seem to understand well. And, and this is in any religion, right? They believe that um, you know God is their protector. And so... Um, I truly believe that if we learn the ways and not the words, then we can understand how that works. If you remember um, the story, uh, it, what was it? Um, Israelites, they were in danger and they entered the region of Sinai. And how did uh, Yehovah reassure them? His words were most reassuring. He said, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, that I might carry you on wings of eagles and bring you to myself. That was in Exodus, uh, shoot, 19, I think. He reminded them that he had delivered them from the Egyptians using eagles as carrying them to safety. But wings of eagles fittingly illustrate uh, 
what this protection really is. The eagle in itself uses its really broad, long, strong winds for more than just soaring after it lifts off. When it's hot, the mom eagle will bend her wings kind of like an umbrella, right? And stretch them out. It's like six to eight feet to shield her children from the sun. Other times, those massive wings, she cuddles around her babies to protect them from the rough winds or the cold air. So just like the eagle protects its babies, so did, you know, Jehovah did, right? Um, telling the nation of Israel that he's going to do all this and move them out and with mighty wings, right? But in today's time, how are you feeling that promise of protection? There's a lot of people that, um, you know, I see online, in churches, in the street. You must not speak like this. You must not say this. You must not cuss. You must not. I find that very pretentious. Okay? Very pretentious. Because even in all scriptures, even in the Quran, and even in, you know, the Torah, it's what's inside that he sees, not the words that come out of your mouth, not the way you dress, not the way you look, but what's inside and your intentions. And so a lot of people say, well, I'm faithful. I pray. I just, hmm. Mm. All of us worry when things happen. Today, I had a really crappy day, super crappy, filled with doctor's appointments and all this stuff that I don't want to do. I really don't want to do. <clears throat> My day started at 6.15 a.m. And, well, it hasn't ended, but I finally sat down, not running around, doing personal stuff, right? Stuff that I've been putting off since I got, <laughs> since I got whiplash and followed up on stuff, right? And I literally, 6.45, I was... Finally, <laughs> so it was like full 12 hours. And every single appointment that I would go to, every single task that I would have to complete, something was missing, something was amiss, something was bad, something was, it was just too much. And then I, I you know, I would be in the car and obviously my eldest daughter here, she would just sit there and she'd be like, damn, you know, like, can you focus. <laughs> I thought to myself, I don't even know why I'm worried. Like, why am I concerned? I should not be concerned. I should not be concerned about the bills. I shouldn't be concerned about my health. I shouldn't be concerned about what anybody is telling me. I shouldn't be concerned about anything like that. What I know is that he's going to take care of me. So I'm okay. And, and it was after me being upset, uh, delay after delay, bad news after bad news. And we're talking me driving to my apartment, right? Excitedly waiting to see my cat run to the door to me that, you know, I was like, oh, 
why am I so stressed out? And you know, yesterday I was, I was like in fight mode last night, like my shoulders up and I'm like, why am I so tense? And then I thought to myself, gosh, I'm, <laughs> I'm completely consumed by this reality construct here that it can affect me. It cannot. And, you know, uh, some, someone sent me a text. Oh, I just don't even remember. And I thought, uh, if he's with us, then how can anyone be against us? Was my thought. And I, I, I thought this is something I should talk about because a lot of us say we have faith. A lot of us speak of faith. Right. A lot of us, no, nah, good question. Not do that. You know, they scold you. Yeah. Or they hold their Bible in defense. You shouldn't curse. You shouldn't make funnies. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And I'm like, how do you know what I, where's the rule book? Cause the rule book you have in your hands has been mm, edited like nobody's business. The rule book is inside. And the rule book resonates outside, right? And that's how it is. When God asks you to do something, you don't want to. A lot of people say that, you know, we all get called to do things we don't want to. It's things we don't know we want to do yet, right? Because it's scary sometimes coming out of that, you know, mode, knowing that he's got your back, knowing that, you know, it's happening and it's going to be fine. Knowing that he's there. You just have to trust the process. Um, and that comes by understanding how to listen to your gut. It is one of the most important things. Uh, earlier I was, um, reading one of the most bizarre things ever. And I'll read it out to you. This is from the department of Homeland security. The United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online, an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories and other forms of mis, dis, and malinformation, now called MDM, <laughs> sounds like MSM, introduced and or amplified by foreign and domestic threat actors. These threat actors seek to exasperate societal friction, to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions, to encourage unrest, which could potentially inspire acts of violence. Mass casualty attacks and other attacks of targeted violence conducted by lone offenders and small groups acting in furtherance of ideological beliefs and or personal grievances pose an ongoing threat to the nation. While the conditions underlying the heightened threat landscape have not significantly changed over the last year, the convergence of the following factors has increased the volatility, unpredictability, and complexity of the threat environment. One, the proliferation of false or misleading narratives, which sow discord and undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. So let's talk about number one for a second. 
Okay, let's just pause on number one for a second. The proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. Let's ponder on that for a second. Let's just ponder on that statement for a second. What is it exactly that they're telling you with this? What is DHS saying to you about this? Do you remember how, let me see, do I have it on here? Gosh darn it. I don't, do I? Do you remember the Ministry of Truth, Adam Schiff? Do you guys remember that? Ministry of Truth, right? (laughs) Where they wanted to have like a new agency to talk about what's true and what's not. Do you remember we did an episode about it, I think two years ago and how that was going to be coming up. But, you know, I'm not going to speak to it from a, from a operational side that they're speaking to it from. But the first thing, the proliferation of false or misleading narratives. Now, what's the false or misleading narrative? Number one, that Russia is going to invade Ukraine. That's a very false and misleading narrative. Therefore, the people have no trust because It is 2022. People have friends in Ukraine. People have friends in Russia. People talk with actual people, not TikTok videos like, you know, Voice of America propaganda stuff, right? We're talking like actual human beings that they know, that they've broken bread with, that they've served with, right? So that's number one. So like which false narratives are we talking about? Are we talking about the let's play chicken so we can start Russia coming down on Turkey because that's the actual target, not Ukraine? Like which false narrative are we talking about? Are we talking about the fact that J6, you know, was a sham and, you know, really good people got overwhelmed because that's psychology. Never been to a, you know, metal concert. There you go. That's how people start shaking their heads and getting into mosh pits and shit. So uh, these are actual operations. So which one is the false and misleading? The fact that the elections were stolen? Get the fuck out of here. Because they were. They were. And it's not the first time. And you have documents upon documents upon documents upon documents proving that they've existed. We have even open congressional hearings over the years in the past two decades that talk about it. We have reports from other nations that talk about it. So which are the false narratives? that Are we going to talk about the federal employees within the DOJ, DHS, Department of Labor, Department of Energy, Pentagon? Where Name an agency and you've, ding, 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 you're a winner, where we have people that are willing to take out Americans that do not agree with them. We have people that are actually fighting with fake-ass news. We have people talking about voter IDs. I don't even want to get into that because that enters territory I shouldn't talk about on any of my shows that can be considered monetized. But we have a lot of narratives that we can say are garbage. Are we going to say that a false narrative is that, you know... All these big people whose shit doesn't stink that have been telling us how to think all this time are all sexual offenders, deviants, wear nipple rings, talk to people like trash and treat them like crap. Like which one? 
which is the false narrative. The fact that the FBI has allowed people to do things that they shouldn't be doing, which one? That's that's the question. Which narrative is it that they say is false? So that's the first part. Um, the second part that you have to think about, right, is uh, what... <laughs> What is quite interesting, they say continued calls for violence directed at U.S. critical infrastructure, soft targets, and mass gatherings, faith-based institutions such as churches, synagogues, and mosques, institutions of higher education, racial and religious minorities, government facilities and personnel, including law enforcement and the military, the media, and perceived ideological opponents. So wait, so they're saying that they want to, so basically they're like, they just want to fight everybody, right? Okay. Cause that's everybody. That's <laughs> government officials, churches, you're black, you're white, you're poking. So they're covering left and right and all the narrative. This number two was a, we're not targeting the right or the conservatives. We're, we're talking about everybody. Cause you know, they did have peaceful protests during George Floyd and burned shit to the ground and killed people. We're talking about that too. They did burn St. John's, you know, no big deal, right? No one's in jail, but okay. Number three, Calls by foreign terrorist organizations for attacks on the United States based on recent events. So this is really weird. This is the most bizarre Ministry of Truth uh, kind of conversation I've ever seen the DHS have with the people. So I thought I would throw it out there. We'll talk about that tomorrow more. But for now, you know what I wanted to talk about? Taking things from the beginning, as you guys saw yesterday, Patrick Byrne had a big press conference and uh, he talked about uh, a man who I consider an actual friend, <laughs> friend um, who nobody ever heard of, uh, Mike Tremarco. And I said, hey, you know, you know, Patrick just threw your name out there in the ether. I would like you to introduce yourself to my audience so they can see another set of eyes that they've um, you know, on how, what, and how he's there and what happened. So I think before we do, I found this video by a guy who claims to have decoded the Facebook Cambridge Analytica scandal. So I thought I would just put that out there just for a second for you guys to revisit the Cambridge Analytica thing. And then, um, we'll bring in, uh, Mike, and I'll introduce you to my friend, Mike, uh, that you heard very little of, um, but enough of by Patrick Byrne during his press conference. So let's get that going. Give me one moment. Hey there, everyone. Hitesh here, back again with another video. And in this video, we are talking about the recent controversy of the Facebook. So in case you are a little bit updated about the international news, which is no more international, it's like a global news now. And in case you heard a little bit about it, recently Mark Zuckerberg came on to CNN and admitted that yes, our data was misused uh, in a really big manner and we admit that. And we don't deserve the chance to serve a billion user if we just cannot fix this up. So it was a really big issue and I really wanted to make a video on it as well as try to unmystify the things because a lot of people are not aware what is actually happening and how it became such a big news. So in this video, I'll unmystify it for everybody so that everybody can understand that and also would like to put some of my thoughts into it. So let's get started. 
want to understand what actually happened, you have to first be aware of what is API. Now, in case you are not aware about what is API, I'll put a link in the description about my previous video. Go ahead, watch that first so that you can understand what actually happened. Now, just onto a very side, a short note, API is a way by which a company legally allows you to access some or some part of the data so that you can use that. Now, in this case, if you look at the developer's website of the Facebook, you will be amazed at what kind of information you can access. Now, in some of my offline boot camps, uh, recently we designed one of that for React Native, and we developed an app in which you can just access anybody's, uh, of course, with permission, your uh, date of birth, your interest, your likes, and we were just scratching the surface. Tons of information is there on the Facebook about you and you have willingly put that information out, your likes, your dislikes, what kind of songs you like, what kind of bands you like, what kind of political interest you do have, your regional geography, your gender. I know it's getting scary, but all these information is already available. And through the developer's API, you can access that information and can use it however you like. Now, obviously, there is an audit scheme with the Facebook. They just check it out what kind of your privacy policies are and what information you are using there. So obviously they do check, but obviously there are always slips there and sometimes a lot of them are missed. Now, in case you are not getting connected with me right now, go to the Amazon, visit any product, come back onto the Facebook and you'll be seeing the exact ad or advertisement for that same product. So this is all already being tracked quite a lot and this something happened recently which Facebook had to came out and admit this. So let me tell you what exactly is the incident here. So if you have been around with the Facebook, you know that somehow Facebook was in controversy that Facebook advertisement and polls and posts have affected the US election. Now this is not just about the US elections. These Facebook posts, memes on some political parties and people actually do affect elections and the reputation of the party all over the globe and it's something that everybody knows. So recently on 17th March some big media houses, media papers recently announced that a company Cambridge Analytica has admitted that we have the access or the information of more than 50 million users and they are using some kind of algorithms, machine learning and tons of other things to just manipulate the things about your likes and dislike and based on that they are somehow affecting the elections here. Now Cambridge Analytica is a company which is mainly for a data mining also you can call that as a machine learning company and based on their algorithms feedback and user data they are somehow mining that what could be the user's interest what we should serve and what kind of advertisement could be could be posted there. Now for me honestly the 50 million data is like an overhyped thing I don't think that that's kind of a big amount of user base they do have. But again, I'm nobody in a position to say that, but I do have some speculations here. Now, if you are aware of an app which was known as This Is My Digital Life. Now, it was designed by Alexander Kogan who designed this application and this application was installed by over 270,000 people. Now, this 270,000 people data which was collected through this, this, this Is My Digital Life, everybody who downloaded this app and used this app willingly gave their information to developers like Alexander Kogan who in-houses uses the developers API of Facebook and legally got all of this data which was meant to be for their app. Now after that Alexander Kogan sold all this information to 
uh, Cambridge Analytica, which was further used in the election campaign. Again, this Cambridge Analytica is the same firm which is known for data mining and a political engagement and kind of a IT cell for various big organizations and political parties including the Donald Trump and maybe it has rumors that it has been connected to a variety of political parties in India as well. But again, there is no certain proof for that. So I'm just making speculations here. But yes, this is completely true that the developer Alexander Kogan and his app, this is my digital life, was entire data was being sold to this company. So yes, they do have good amount of data to make a lot of lot of machine learning algorithms and judgments so that they can make a lot of judgment about you. This app, this is my digital life, came into existing in 2014 and in, 2004, in 2015, allegedly, Facebook went to the developer Alexander Kogan and said, hey, you have acquired this information in a completely wrong manner, which is against our privacy policy, so you need to delete this. Now, fun thing is, this was just a conversation which is kind of in media that it happened. There are no proofs about it that it did it happen or how actually Mark Zuckerberg met them or it was an email conversation. There is no proof about it on any of the news channel. I have been following this story for a long time. I haven't found it, but since I'm no journalist here, I'm just sharing my thoughts, what I have read here online and since following this story for a long time. So this 2014 app and allegedly by Facebook, this was dumped down in 2015, still is resurfacing in 2018 and all these controversies. So now that you know that how your data was misused and the privacy policy was broken by one developer, just single developer. Now imagine the power here, just a single developer. And this has affected so much that Mark Zuckerberg had to came out and had to admit that yes, this was something done wrong on our hand. And we are trying our best to just solve this. So this was a statement directly from Mark Zuckerberg. I'll post down a link below of the CNN interview that Zuckerberg gave and made all these points just valid there. Now comes up the interesting question. This psychographic evaluation of your likes, dislike, what bands you like, what political party you like, your geographical location, all these things, fetching them into machine learning and doing a psycho evaluation of what could your interest be. This is like a little bit overhyped because it can be done by various other means as well. But the point is a lot of people are worried that uh, our information is, is on to the words that it's leaked out every single time and we just face the consequences. Now let me tell you that digital way or this online coming onto the internet is one way journey. The moment you have made an online account on any website, maybe Twitter, Facebook, uh, maybe just your bank account which moved to online, everything is already online and this is just one way. We cannot go back. So if you're thinking that I'll not go online and will be safe, this I think is not at all a choice now. You are already online whether you like it or not. The best way to secure now is to just make sure you are much more aware about these incidents and stay updated. So instead of just sitting at your home uh, expecting that everything is right, you should be going more out onto the web and reliable media resources so that you can get much more updated things like that and you are aware of what is actually happening. So obviously the question as a developer in mind is what Facebook is doing further so that uh, these kinds of developer doesn't surface anymore as well as developers like you and me who are always working on the good stuff actually doesn't really get affected. So in return to the reply of that, uh, there's not full yet like statement out there, but it's like speculations and most of the like in words in the media that 
Facebook is now introducing a very strong audit and if you need more information apart from your email and name this is like the basic regular login stuff apart from that if you need any information uh, there will be a very strong audit for that and if you found that this is not for us the developers will block your keys and you will not be able to access it also they have made one more announcement that if uh, some app is not being used by the app uh, by the person for more than three months it is going to like cut off from their server so a lot of steps are being taken care obviously this was the first really big incident uh, but really there are still three questions that Facebook is uh, trying to just solve at one time the first one is data privacy the second one is fake news and the third one is fake profiles now we are all aware of the situation that what is happening with the fake profiles and I would like to just address this one big issue which is fake profiles and fake identity fake users this is like a big issue now because you know a lot of people are using of making these fake profiles on YouTube on Twitter on Facebook they are just wearing a mask of anonymity and doing a lot of bad stuff because it's so easier to say bad words or curse word to any people who is online and you're hiding behind a mask you can just put a comment there or maybe po post down a tweet there it's so easier so I would really like to look forward that how this big issue of anonymity freedom of speech as well as fake account uh, these things are taken care of this is this is right now a really big issue on the online and also I would like to know your thoughts on this fake profile and fake uh, news and anonymity issue about this so what are your thoughts on to this now I know this video is moreover about the general information that I wanted to pass on about this recent Cambridge Facebook issue this is a really big news and a lot of people are not understanding what is happening so I just here tried to give you a big narrative of what is happening and how things are shaping up obviously if you need more information on that you can hit down the comment section below and I can put down uh, more videos on that so that I can help you in order to understand this so that's it for this video we mostly talk about programming and tech stuff on this channel mostly sometimes designs as well but these are some of the big issues which actually need to be broken down and you need to understand what power comes up as a developer and what actually can be possible with the help of these datas and machine learning and APIs and all these things so that's why it was covered so that's it for this video in case you have enjoyed this video do share it on Facebook and Twitter as well and I will surely catch you up hey if you are enjoying it do hit the subscribe button as well okay guys so how was that I mean obviously with the enunciation uh, uh, of some words it's pretty much what we've been talking about data and data mining and uh, using that data for other things. This is why I allow my children and random people to use my YouTube. You know, I use Facebook for friends and, you know, Facebook is so toxic. Like, I don't even want to look at it sometimes. But um, it used to be a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy anymore. But, um, I would like to introduce my friend Mike. Um, uh, Mike is an amazing guy, um, and like uh, Patrick said, uh, the um, uh, mayor Giuliani only has two clients, and that's the president and Mike Tremarco. So, Mike Tremarco, welcome to the Tory Show. Um, uh, everyone is excited to meet you, uh, and. Uh, uh, I'd obviously, I'd like you to introduce yourself, uh, to my audience. You're on. There you go. Hi, Tori. Hey, Mike. How are you? 
Very good. Thank you for uh, having me on today. And I think it's been a long time coming. Yeah, uh, we've been talking about it for a while. But since Patrick, you know, mentioned you, I thought, you know, why not? So everyone's saying hello, Mike. Uh, I'm trying to get the, used to this app, so it's hard for me to see where the comments yeah. are. Oh, oh yeah. You, sh- you know, on your laptop, it would have been a lot easier. Oh, yeah. yeah, I got it. Yeah, got it, it would have been. But you can yeah. see there's comments. I'll post them on the screen if you can see the screen. If not, I'll read them out anyway. So uh, welcome. And I thought, you know, it would be great, you know, because Patrick kind of jumped into the more middle end of how you came into everything. But I think... um uh, yeah, you should just introduce yourself as you like. I mean, I can sure. introduce well, you I'm as a guy that has an awesome car. Uh, we like the same <laughs> foods, um, and we're tired of the BS at the same level. But <laughs> well, my awesome car is a pickup truck that's painted in bedliner, black bedliner. That's so, so cool, though, guys. He has bedliner on the outside of his car. Like, that's so cool, right? I never even thought of that. That's like you can't get scratches. Well, I, w- I would take credit for it myself, but I actually got the idea from a friend of mine that lives in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and I took the liberty of stealing the idea and doing it, doing it to my own car and brought it down with me when we moved to uh, Naples, Florida uh, this summer to get away from all of the nonsense going on in New York, which is not uh, a very safe place for patriots like us, right, Tori? So um, <laughs> I'm down here outside, so uh, where it's... Uh, Pretty nice night here in Naples, just down the street from a from a big Patriot Alfie Oaks's place in um, in uh, at the table that people know about down here. So I'm a newly new Florida native, and I got involved in this whole uh, election fight related to Cambridge Analytica, which is probably why we have that segue up there because a case related. The Cambridge Analytica, where myself or I was the plaintiff in that Rudy is my attorney on, is how I ended up uh, uh, at uh, Rudy's side during some of the impeachment stuff, impeachment one stuff, and then uh, later the uh, Hunter laptop, which led directly into the election. And uh, the Hunter laptop had something to do with the uh, well, there's some things about Cambridge Analytica in there, not much, but it uh, it had to do with some business uh, business Feelings. relationships, obviously. That, yeah, I know uh, Garrett's looking into all of that too. Um, yeah, Garrett, Garrett. Yeah, uh, uh, you were integral part of getting uh, Garrett a a good clean copy of it. Uh, a few yeah, back. yeah, so yeah. Appreciate that. So, uh, from 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 the mayor. Uh, who ha- was the first to have it. So, um, yeah, so that's how we we kind of ended up in the same place during the election. So people, just so you understand, uh, Mike was in the middle as a plaintiff with a case with Cambridge Analytica. And uh, at that point, uh, Mayor Giuliani took him on as a client uh, for that case. And this is how it all happened. Everyone's complaining so about people- your volume, by the way, Mike. What's that? Turn up the Everyone's volume. complaining about your volume. You're not speaking loud enough for them. Okay. So most people think that Cambridge Analytica was working for Trump, but that isn't uh, isn't really entirely true, and that forms the substance of what our case was. It wasn't directly against Cambridge Analytica. It was 
uh, versus one of the unknown sponsors of Cambridge Analytica. Is that better if I speak at this level? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's good. So it was, okay, okay so, so it wasn't directly to a Cambridge Analytica, it was in an unknown sponsor of Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, the sponsor is, is known, but not widely known. It's not the main cast of characters that people know. And I have an alternate theory about what Cambridge Analytica was really doing, I think. And uh, they, they had time to hone their, um, you know, their, their process or election or business process, if you will, from 2009 when I had my exposure with, um, with Alexander Nix. Um, and I think what they were doing is creating the whole, uh, you know, data-driven, uh, algorithm-driven false flag so that they could actually hack the machines and there would be a logical explanation for why they were able to get Joe Prime Minister a lot more votes after paying Cambridge Analytica a lot of money. And this kind of, people could look into this out in your crew, Tori, but there's a famous, relatively famous video if you're looking at a lot of these videos around Dominion where they talk about uh, uh, some of their, uh, well, they're having a trade show, looks like, and it happens in, in the Caribbean. So that's just my theory. Yeah, well, you know, they all love the Caribbean, right? We get yeah. golden passports from St. Kitt. They're messing with Trinidad. I'm just that whole area is kind of like a testing ground and uh, you know playground for a lot of people. Well, yeah, and I think that's where they actually had their cash cow, Cambridge Analytica. Well, I know it is, and Al Alexander Nix particularly uh, was in the passports themselves. So when they would win, then they would get the passport concession with the newly elected prime minister and kids is the first place, I think the first place that they actually won. Yes. I uh, mean, I've tied that to Menendez, Senator Menendez, you know, with all these people that would go and open up bank accounts with these golden passports. Uh, but that's, that's, um, that's something I've mentioned before, but we haven't delved into. I think that's going to come out like, I don't know, like 2024 when they all get busted yeah. for that stuff. Finally. You know, the other interesting thing about it is what happened to Facebook, uh, based upon the, um, the revelations that, um, that the individual who was doing the little uh, video uh, before I came on, what happened to Facebook? Well, they paid $3 billion fine to who? The government and uh, a lot of that money, or maybe all of that money, <laughs> went towards what? Election equipment and exactly. election fixing. To purposely, yep. See, yeah, seems like a pretty good amount of leverage to Zuckerberg's $500 million, right? So we pay $3 billion in shareholder money, right? And then comes over the top with 500 million, which is what everybody talks about. But what about the 3 billion he paid a couple yeah, they, of years that he paid. So the lawsuit was a case to be able to swindle money back into their pockets to use for other purposes. So weird, isn't it? So weird. Not so weird when you start to look not, at Not when you're in this, you see it. But see, regular people can't fathom that. You know, when they see big companies getting sanctioned and paying fines, they assume, oh, we're getting this money back. Well, if that's the case, then the deficit goes down. So where did that money get distributed to? Oh, that money got distributed for everyone to buy election machines and, you know, put up ballot boxes so they can file their mail-in ballots. Yep. 
so that uh, yeah, I can't fathom that I'm in the middle of this either, and I happen to be in the middle in the middle of it, not because of my political ambitions or my my politics or any uh, political connection, but I just had happened to be a business uh, a business you know, business that I had and the business connections and JVs that went on that led me down this path that ended up in uh, in DC in October of 2020 with the Hunter laptop. And Mayor Giuliani and Bernie, that's where it started. And Steve Bannon, of course, and his whole crew, we were the first ones to be going through it. And I was looking through mostly with respect to the business dealings in there. And uh, I think Patrick got into a bit of it there uh, in his uh, press conference yesterday where he speak, spoke about um, uh, General, uh, my wanting to bring in General Flynn, um, which was... Uh, uh, my way of kind of translating the gobbledygook corruption that really isn't stuff you learn <laughs> about or you ever see in business. And I thought he would have a good understanding of some of these entities, along with some of uh, Steve Bannon's uh, crowd was able to help. But uh, uh, I don't know. Help is like help is like whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, I know you probably don't agree, or you do, but you don't have to. I'm pretty open about it. I was actually quite angry at Jack Maxey the way he was taking the laptop, because instead of focusing on the business dealings, like you said, that's that was my focus too, right? He was focusing on, you know, the 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 Parmesan and the hookers and, you know, the porn and, and it was very, um, half washed for me. And it was a great idea for you, like, like Patrick said, to bring in general Flynn who has a background, uh, with the DIA, you know, to get his own people, uh, to parse through it. So, uh, you know, that was that a never smart happened. Move. Yeah, that was <laughs> a smart happened. move, but it didn't happen. Yeah. And Sydney came and, uh, for some ostensible legal reasons, didn't uh, bring General Flynn in, but she was there, and that is the reason why Sydney was uh, was there on election night, and then certainly in the coming days, and was in the mix, if you will. Um, you know, so basically, she was the there for the laptop. Didn't bring General Flynn because of you know he was already under fire and all that. And as his attorney, she was just there, and that's why she just happened to be there right? When all this yes. election stuff happened. So it's not like someone called her and Bugle called her and said, Hey, come here. She was already there. Right. Okay. Well, no, she was, well, she, she, we, we started out in DC, then went back up to New York and we're continuing to work on it out of New York. She came up to New York probably about a week before the election, um, right after I called her. And then she went down with the whole, you know, with uh, basically at the same time with Rudy's, uh, whole crew and, um, started, uh, you know, I was there for election night, staying at the Mandarin, which is where everybody was for election night. And then, as you know, about a week after the election, Sydney and uh, a few, a, a handful of others that I brought in uh, came to the Westin where I took down a block of rooms and, you know, uh, Patrick was doing the same thing. Actually, yeah, Patrick point, had like nope. a block of rooms at the Trump, and I think you and I met on the night of the 12th or the 11th of November. Yes. You had called me maybe a day or two before that, and we right. spoke. Actually, I spoke to you the day that I was scouting out the uh, the West Inn and meeting the folks, uh, Phil Klein and his team from the Amistad Project at Thomas More Society. Who yeah, with Phil Klein. With Phil the, Klein, the former AG of Kansas. Yes. Yeah, I worked so we, with yeah. him in 2019 on the election fraud in Kentucky. 
So since they had a fair amount of resources there and, you know, we forced more communication, Sydney and uh, Sydney came over there and I brought in a few other people to, uh, to work uh, on her team. And, uh, you know, then, you know, you and a bunch of other people uh, came in with their information so that we could kind of coordinate the information flow uh, back and forth. The Rudy stayed over at the, um, at the Mandarin and uh, eventually moved over to, uh, I think COVID kind of, his COVID intervened. And I think when he came back to DC, that's when he went to the- um, Yeah, I remember the, the first meeting that I was supposed to have with that information with the mayor. And um, the, the night before we had gone out with a couple of friends that, you know, worked within the administration and I get a text that evening. Uh, um, I think I got COVID and it's like delete. <laughs> right. And then it's like, yeah, you can't have the meeting cause now the mayor has COVID and I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you serious? Um, yeah. but it was well, everybody at the campaign headquarters. Uh, yeah. Actually not everybody got it, but everybody had to clear out of there. And that kind of threw a monkey wrench in the way we had things coordinated and the communication back and forth between the different groups because the campaign headquarters, which became the election fight headquarters, was uh, you know, not too far away from um, from the Westin, where the rest of us were. Virginia, um, yeah. we know, you know, the, uh, there are maybe a few other teams that I, you know, that were out there, according to what Patrick said. But the only ones we really had interaction with was Patrick's team, the Trump, and uh, and obviously, uh, you know, uh, Rudy's, which I at the point when I went over the Westin was liaison in between. Um, and I think it's been widely reported, if not directly from everybody, that relationship between Rudy and uh, and Sydney kind of went south pretty shortly there. You know, after they formally uh, had said that they were working together on the on the uh, Trump team. That was after so that report that Emily Newman and Sydney had, or, right? It was around that time. No, I think. Well. I think it was about a week's time. It's been widely reported because uh, President Trump tweeted stuff out about right. the team. And then not too long after that, uh, Jenna uh, essentially fired her or took her yeah. off the team in whatever yeah. regard she was in. But it was only about seven or eight days between the two. And she was definitely off the team before Thanksgiving. And then out of, um, out of uh, D.C., uh, pretty much contemporaneously from when the time General Flynn finally did show up, which um, I was very happy about because my wife was you know, pregnant at the time and I was flying back and forth. Uh, traveling back and forth was pretty uh, uh, pretty difficult and we needed a lot more. We needed some business leadership and um, and some overall political leadership. So between Patrick and, and, uh, and General Flynn, um, that would have, uh, uh, you know, solved that issue. And um, I was glad that they all, you know, they showed yeah, up. It was, it was a mess. You know, I tell people it was a hot mess. I, I don't think people, uh, you know, they, I, uh, it's, it's completely underestimated what a hot mess it was. You can agree it was a hot mess, right? It oh, was yeah. Like <laughs> I mean, it was a hot mess. Because we're like, what am I doing there putting people together, right? People yeah, a lot of people were like, who are you? And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and then you, you're dealing in a political swamp, which, you know, I'm not used to dealing in that. And there, a lot of these people were down there. It's hard to tell the difference between counter intel people and people that are just there grifting. And, you know, as I, as I would yeah, it was, you know, it was try, hard. On, try on your shoulder a lot as, um, um, to 
for you, you know, you don't know that I don't know the difference between these people and people are thinking that I'm, you know, agency or intelligence. And I would say to you, Tori, how do you know that I'm not? And you're like, no, I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if you're tapped, but I know you're definitely not ingrown and, and professionally trained. But the thing that. Unless that, I'm really professionally trained and even you don't know. Well, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> There would be ways that you hold your cup and, and say things, but okay. But it's like, it was, it was really crazy. Cause uh, see, when I tell people, when everyone was trying to figure out what happened and how, right. Oh, it was a hot mess. You were actually kind of uh, a constant. And that was actually good to see that there was a constant, but there were a lot of people bidding and it was like, why are you bidding? Can we just get some work done? You know, people coming and saying, oh, we got to go this way. We got to go that way. It was, it was confusion. It was crazy. It was, and, and there were a lot of, you know, um, coin operations ongoing as well, you know, and, and they were coming to you cause they realized that you were constant, Right. Uh, and Patrick Byrne, they would go to him too, constantly. So it was the two constants were you, because you kind of were just there and you were getting the teams together and you rented out a block of rooms so you could stock them with people in order to get some work done. And then Patrick had done the same at the Trump, right? And suddenly it, it was you, the constant that no one could figure out why you were there. And it's like, um, Okay. And then Patrick, well, they, they, they knew that they, they figured that that was the way to get information to, to Rudy and then to the president. And then we hopefully had, but we were able to vet a lot of it, uh, so that, you know, a lot of the noise didn't get through. Um, and, uh, I think that worked pretty well. And I, you know, have, I have, uh, Patrick to thank a lot for that because he was able to fly me from at the time I was uh, out east on Long Island, so he was able to fly me back and forth from West Hampton to to uh, to DC pretty regularly. Which yeah, because she was pregnant easier. at the time, and it was crazy. I actually stayed in your room and threw. Uh, I took your room because it was bigger to throw Gavin his birthday party while we were yeah, there. On December sixth. Yeah, I totally <laughs> trashed it. <laughs> we, I think, I used unicorn paper um, and and crazy hats. But um, you know, the thing that. Um, that uh, I, I I think people need to know is that there's a lot of regular people, like you're a businessman, right? You just happen to be there. And, you know, what's, what's, what's crazy is that, you know, now for just being there, right, with your attorney, because that was your attorney, right? And you were in a lawsuit, you know, then they targeted you again, you know, they're still targeting you. And it feels as if, you know, Hey, you were there. So you need to tell us you must be this, you must be that. And it's like, I, I don't think people get the type of lawfare and the attacks that people get. You've been out of the press. Um, but the press knows you, they don't talk about you because they still haven't figured out what's up. They kind of know. And they're just like, well, you know, we'll leave this guy alone because he doesn't have a big mouth. So <laughs> well, they've been coming at me. You know, they just, I don't think they really want to hear what I have to say, but I definitely have not the press. I haven't heard from them because I think there's other reasons why they don't want my uh, stuff. They don't want your case but... to be showcased. Let's exactly. Be straight, but I right? am, I am under attack. Uh, uh, not so publicly against myself and my business interests, et cetera. It's one of the reasons why Florida is a much uh, uh, safer place um, than than New York. And I was a New York City businessman, 
since I uh, since I graduated uh, college and then business school. And my backstory is pretty open. It's on LinkedIn um, and uh, other places is uh, the stuff that I, I've done and why you know it doesn't really get into exactly why I got here, but you can kind of read between the lines. But yeah, it's um, it uh, it's it's a, it's a dangerous and treacherous time, and you know, I'm thankful for all the patriots who continue to back us up because I think we're seeing a turn in a lot of the events here and uh, we just have to stick it out for a, a little while longer and be diligent at the grassroots level and treat this as for what it is, which is a, it's a political operation. And I think that is the big dichotomy between what uh, the way Rudy thought about it, the way I thought about it, Patrick thought about it. It's, you know, we, and, and General Flynn, this is a political uh, situation, political, not in the bad way, but the political in the sense that it's a, it's, it, it, we need to gain constituency at the group, at the grassroots level, uh, uh, get the legislatures, which is who has the plenary, the absolute power to, to uh, elect the president and make sure those people are elected, not only have the right party next to them, but actually have a spine and will stand up for the right thing to do. In this case, was just Re, you know, just audit, audit the votes bottoms up. And that's why I thought about it as a businessman. You know, you need to, yeah. if somebody's well, not willing to audit something, that tells me that there's probably something wrong. And when the tops down analysis comes out so askew, that's what we were talking about from the second day. Yeah, we could file some lawsuits, but we're not going to get some judge, likely not going to get some judge to rule on anything that quickly. That's I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Power. Ultimately, yeah. we might. Ultimately, yeah. we might. Yeah, but we to do it that quickly was um, a lot harder, uh, especially given all the noise and the way that our adversaries were set up with lawfare far in excess of ours. Well, they <laughs> started the lawfare sure. in some of those adversaries that they could predict way earlier, right? Way earlier, because they needed to create like these uh, fires and traps so no one would listen. And and what's crazy is people don't know about your case, right? And that's probably why the media is keeping it quiet, because if people knew about your case and how it happened before the elections, and if they were actually paying attention to that, things might have been a little bit different if that actually had coverage and more publicity, I, I think. This yeah, is my we never got we, we we never really got a chance to really put it out there so much because we were constantly tamped down by impeachment one and then right into COVID, which, you know, my view is a lot of the stuff, certainly impeachment one was planned and the, around the whole bogus Ukraine stuff, which does have something to do with our case. And then um, and then over to, uh, you know, COVID, which then brought us right into the election. So all that stuff was contrived and planned and put us into the put put our backs to the wall. And if it was contrived and planned, they certainly had the law for a piece of it as part of the plan. Isn't it funny how the first impeachment had some of the stuff that were in your case that you were plaintiff in? I mean, it was very interesting how they took a little bit so that way they can throw mud around and, you know, hence take it that way. Uh, that's what's important, right? Because as it was ready to come out, suddenly all this came out, right? And you had Bill Taylor with supersonic hearing, Ivanovich swearing up and down, right? And it's kind of like they're all lying. <laughs> you know, Ivanovich was playing gatekeeper for um, Barr. Speaking of Barr, Barr was actually trying to get things done during the election period, but then it changed. Um, did you observe that? Because I observed that. Oh, yeah. Before the election, sure. He, he was uh, an outspoken 
critic of the mail-in ballots and all that stuff and something distinctively changed instinctively changed in a lot of people's uh internal rhetoric versus what their uh, you know outward um what their outward uh, you know appearance was and certainly what they said and that happened you know right on a dime and i, I presumably maybe that's what happens in dc all the time but i think there's something much bigger that was going on about it and um, that's what I think, yeah, too. So. Something much bigger must have happened uh, because, you know, guys, Mike was in the middle of all of this. He was just, I, you know, I felt like you were there and you were trying to help, um, you know, make sure that if people had information, they'd come to you. That way, uh, no time is wasted, too in looking into rabbit holes that weren't there, you know, the whole, oh, look over here. And then everyone's focusing there. But then there were other weird people that would just insert themselves like spokespeople for this. And it's like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? Uh, yeah, that's what we got. That's where we got the term, the, the, the people from Oshkosh, because the, like, where are these people coming from? A lot of them were very well-meaning and great patriots. And a lot of them could have been counter intel people that were placed there to cause confusion. And I think you know, the, uh, I got to say this, the, uh, the level headedness of looking at this stuff objectively, you know, by yourself, uh, um, uh, uh, Patrick, Steve Bannon and, um, and Rudy was what really, uh, you know, kept us on track because, you know, the funnel, the, the mouth of the funnel was huge. There was information coming in so fast and furious that, you know, it was impossible with the team we had to really kind of vet through it all. And, um, and I think that was by design. That was part of their plan. Yeah. And I remember in December, um, uh, we were at the Westin and there was this, um, I don't know if it was a reporter or something. They were like, Oh my gosh, we just got this news. You know, the machines weren't certified. And this guy just gave a press conference over there. And I'm like, who's this guy giving my information? Apparently he had taken the information and he sat there giving a presser. And I'm like, who is this dude? And I actually called him out. I was like, why are you talking about stuff you don't know? Like, you're not going to talk about that because that was their backup plan to say if by any chance President Trump won, that he had rigged the elections because he hadn't certified the machines. This was, you know, the ace in the hole. Why are you giving it to the press? And it was the most bizarre uh, situation. And you kind of just looked at me. You're like, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going around here. And I was, I didn't know how you kept your cool with a wife that's pregnant, having been pregnant and being a woman. <laughs> right, because uh, we have to make a, that distinction now because we have pregnant also. emojis uh, for <laughs> men. But um, you know that was really hard because you tried to uh, you know um, do the best you could uh, because there were a lot of things that you were there. Remember when we were with a couple people without naming their names? I think we were up at your suite getting the the laptop. You know, before it was that clean copy, yep. right? Yep. Um, yep. That was that was fascinating because it, it actually went into good hands that could parse through the information, right? Because uh, they were experts in, you know, um, trafficking. You know, the two yeah, guys. I, that, yeah, yeah. I was finding the right people to put it in because, you know, I, I think you know certainly Jack was uh, doing his best to get the stuff together to get out what, uh, you know, what people would actually look at in the very very short short term because to really get to the bottom of these business arrangements we still haven't done that now garrett's been doing an excellent job of digging through it but there's stuff that i know is on there that i, I talked about you yeah, that i want to get out 
And he still, you know, hasn't gotten to that yet. It's just like you could, uh, I would. There's a couple just, portions. I'm just going to be honest, Mike. There's a couple portions that I told Garrett, hold on, because I'm digging more. And one of them is what you had told me, uh, where we discussed <laughs> that. Medicine. Uh, see, you have a dog. I have a cat. Um, uh, that um, I'm working on because there's more connections to that that leads to the second story. Uh, so the business dealings is what's really important. And you're right. And like, you you know, I, I give a lot of, you know, I talk a lot of flack on Jack because he just went on superficial. I wanted meat, you know, where they could have talked about, you know, the, 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 the agreements or the signatures or the, you know, collusion with foreign nations or operation snowflake. Like those are the things that they should have, um, you know, talked about, I think before the elections, but you know, it was, it was quite funny. Cause when I came up there, you were going to introduce me to people I already knew, you know, when they sat down and I was like, Oh, you know, make it for me on a jump drive, blah, blah, blah. And it was really interesting because at that point I realized that you were there just trying to help your nation. And, and that is, that was the pivot moment. At first I was like, okay, he's gatekeeper. Uh, he's playing the role of gatekeeper. But then at that point I realized, no, you're just trying to do good. And you were trying to help. So I was, you know, kind of floored. And then when I read through your case, I realized why they came so hard on you. Okay. So he just jumped off. He's going to come back on the connections really bad. Um, so, um, th see, there's a lot of people that have worked on these elections that um, th these elections, all elections, because he did talk to you about 2009. So just saying, and that have been trying really, 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 really hard to help their nation in some form or fashion. I know you disconnected. It's fine. I was just saying it was at that point. I, I was reiterating to my audience that it was at that point that I realized that you were actually just doing it for the country, um, because you were doing everything. And I felt like, Hey, he's my spirit animal. He's got his fingers and everything from laptop to election fraud to, you know, you were just amazing. And your case, you know, the more someone reads it every single time I read it, the more I see. And, um, I, you know, what do you feel comfortable about talking about in regards to well, you know, we could go to a few, a couple of questions if anybody has some. I think there's probably a lot of open. Uh, I'm seeing some of the some of the uh, the chats oh, coming across. So if anybody has some questions, I could um, I could answer those. I think we give us a lowdown on your lawsuit. Well, it's kind of in the holding pattern right now, and I think it's not really going to come out in the form of a lawsuit anymore because it's going to come out as we get to the bottom of what really went on, not only in the 2020 election, but back to 2016. And then the elections, as we were talking about earlier, back to, you know, really 2004 and right up yeah. through today, because uh -huh. the bottom line is, you know, machines should have never been put in charge of anything, which is kind of how it's working. And I think the real story is going to be that you know, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, it's been going on for a long period of time. And there's a lot of cover stories. And there's a lot of Democrats and Republicans that benefited from this garbage. And we just got to get back to something that's a normal analog election. I, I tend to think that those pull those uh, uh, pull lever machines in the old terminology, you'd say when you pull the lever in, in voting, I think it tabulates everything right along You used to get election results an hour after uh, the polls close. And the whole state of New York. My father was a committeeman in a 
Yeah, New York stood their ground. Dominion and ESNS were, you know, the, the it was it was um the Department of Justice that actually forced New York to get into electronic voting. Yeah, like, we had, we had, election, we had regular voting machines for a while. My father was a committeeman, and he would tell me that we would have New York counted in his precinct. It would for president, they would be done with all of New York State within an hour, and it's right. because when you pull the lever. It's mechanically tabulating yours on top of everybody else's. So if you got, you know, 15 voting machines, it's just a matter of you and the Democrat going around and taking the total and then you kick it up to the town and the county and, you know, then you go check it back. And but New York would have its results pretty damn quick. And I don't know why we ever left that. <laughs> To go well, to I, I've, I've told the that story nobody can I, understand that you need yeah. that you actually need. That's what I would talk about with 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 Patrick a lot. It's like it's ridiculous that we even need Dolphin speakers here. Why you do it once every four years? Why are you trying to be efficient? There's no reason for that. There's no reason. We can use technology in many ways, but in things that are so sacred, like our voice, we can stick to manual time tested. It's like, we're not reinventing the wheel. The hanging chads was a setup, right? I was there when they talked about it in 1999 and been very open about that, right? That was completely set up in order to deploy the electronic system. But it was in 2004, after we had sold those failed machines, right? To Venezuela, that the real fraud started, where they actually needed dolphin speakers to steal the elections. And I think um, by starting at the beginning of 2004, we can get to the bottom of how 2020 happened and why 2016 failed on them. Um, so your case will probably be put in through like a RICO trial later, right? It'll be just one faction of that RICO trial. That's what I'm Probably, thinking. possibly, or, you know, I, I don't really need to benefit off of it because that was, you know, the ostensible reason to file any lawsuit. But I think it will come up yeah, as part of the overall uh, uh, cases that are filed to, uh, you know, get to the bottom and get some compensation essentially for the for the American people. And to, if not fix things in 20, you know, for 2020 or get to the bottom of 2020, uh, at least make things, you know, uh, uh, a lot less hackable going forward by just putting it back to what was effective for a long period of time. And yeah, finding uh, and effective no measures. Yeah. Well, this, that, these analog system, whether you're just putting ballots in a box or you know, like a, what I would say is, look, it should be set up in a way that the, the kids in the elementary school where the voting should take place, not these massive, uh, you know, auditoriums or, uh, or, um, or, uh, uh uh, coliseums, right, need to be used for voting. Just go to your local elementary school, vote, and if the kids at that school can't count the votes, not that they would actually count them, but if they can't do the tabulation... Oh, there's common then, core math. Well, Stop. <laughs> we yeah, have common right. core math now. So. But at least they can count, you know, then, then it probably is too complicated. And if it means we have to have three times as many people in every precinct, then just do that. Who cares? It's one yeah, that'll cost years. less. Yeah, but that'll cost less than the machines themselves. Oh, yeah. The machines that. that's themselves. Why that's yeah. why it's puzzling us as businessmen, like why you would ever do it. It doesn't gain you anything. Certain the only thing you gain is, is control. Yeah, but the only thing you gain is control because we're spending. Oh, tops down control. Yeah, yeah. you gain yeah. tops down control and the ability to hack. It's the only benefit, but that's not a benefit. That's a detriment, really. Obviously, it's a benefit to political hacks that want to be in control of the, you know, of the oldest democracy in the world. So. 
Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people um, uh, with this misinformation and disinformation, speaking of that, the DHS was like, we need to have a ministry of truth and decide what's good and what's bad. That was pretty crazy. But um, a lot of people are so confused because so many people were saying so many things, right? Uh, they were talking about this. They were talking about that. And, you know, you, I went to business school, too. I just didn't finish it. Right. I had like three classes left for my MBA. One thing you learn in business school is that you make sound, uh, efficient, cost efficient, right? But also decisions that have efficacy when you're trying to execute something, right? And, um, when you have a problem in your company, the first thing you look at is where did the problem originate from? Kind of like what Durham's doing, right? He's not looking at the steel and the uh, Waldman and the who was talking and the Nelly or he's going back to the beginning. Where did it start? So with this election fraud, like you said, it's got to go back to the beginning. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where my case would have led if we would have executed on it in 2019 like we wanted to and then everything kind of interceded in the meantime but you know, i think people are people ask the question what's the cliff notes on my case essentially cambridge analytica is that issue in in my case kind of in the periphery but we would have brought it front and center now a lot of people think that cambridge analytica was there to help trump but really it wasn't it was there as a as a kind of a backdoor way to help uh, other people, namely uh, his uh, uh, President Trump's uh, adversary. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But we would have gotten to the overall point that we were investigating as part a part of the lawsuit, which was that that this whole system of Cambridge Analytica, which again, my theory is that the whole idea of using um, uh, AI to read people's minds and predict their votes and make them vote a certain way was kind of, and maybe that works and probably works better than, you know, mass mailing everybody or billboards, but it certainly doesn't work better than actually just going ahead and hacking the machines. And I think that's what was really going on behind the scenes there. And that's where I think Ultimately, well, but can you imagine this? Happen. Let's pretend you're running, Mike. Let's pretend you're in Florida and Naples and you're running, right? And you have a company like Cambridge Analytica that can sell you data on all your constituents. From that data, you can see who's going to vote for you anyway. It'll tell you and where oh, you really perfect. should go. Yeah. So then you're not even spending campaign money. It's a lot cheaper for you to pay 20 grand to get that data and say, oh, I should go to this area and campaign because those people are undecided. Oh, no, yeah, it definitely helped that. Yeah. That's how Trump, that's how he was able to win in the uh, in the first election just say okay i need votes in this place let me go do you know a speech here and then the social media exponential multiplier effect will make everybody show up and talk about me there right so and, and i thought you were getting at a different point that that you would know how better to cheat because you know who is where and how they might vote even though they didn't and that is i remember you telling me that back then too that that's probably the reason why you tie the two together because if you're going to cheat you got to cheat in a way that is that's plausible <laughs> right that that's believable yes 
in this case, they overstepped because they just didn't care. They needed so many votes. They just dumped them. Yeah, but well, they did it in a, in a domain where the AFL-CIO had a harder hold, right? Those are the states where they had stronger holds and their own people in leadership where they would be able to execute. You remember when they were doing the ballot stuff and I was saying, no, 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 they're manufacturing that. We already know it's manufactured. We should like pick it up and check it. But what we need to do what we need to understand is uh, they're manufacturing it and they're stuffing the ballots because this, like, for example, in my state in Ohio, which, by the way, is where 2004 is centered out of. Right. Let's not forget that um, they had a lot of problems with the elections here in 2020. A lot. They had, you know, uh, conclusions that made no sense. Like they would have, I'm just giving round numbers now, a hundred signatures that didn't match. And then suddenly, you know, they corrected out of the hundred signatures, 170 ballots were corrected. And it's like, wait, but you only had a hundred to start. How did you correct 170? Do you see what I'm saying? There were small discrepancies. So, so people may think that the election fraud only happened in those states. It didn't. It happened in every single state, and it's been happening since 2004. Yeah, and I think we're going to get to the bottom of a lot of that. It's going to take still more period of time, but I think it's really starting to change, and the momentum is getting in our direction, especially you know with a strong positive result in the midterms. That will give us a lot more mo momentum, and I know it seems like a long time to wait, but, you know, uh, power and control is everything in DC. And if you have the power, you know, there's a lot of fear that's out there to a lot of people uh, uh, to, to do anything. And I think once it becomes more apparent and when we do get control, then a lot more people will come out, you know, to the fight. It's, well, they should have uh, come it, out already, though, Mike. They should have, but it's scary, you know. Yeah. You I mean the, the people should have come out more than they have? Well, you know, that's China for you. You know, they've effectively put people in a position where if they want to have the couple of cars, the nice house, you know, vacation a few times a year. Right. You got to, you know, you, you got to keep your corporatist hat on and keep, you know, slugging it out every day at work and not rock the boat. You know, you're facing a real life situation. If you're going to lose your job because of your political viewpoints, that's a reality. I mean, there's people in, you know, gulags in D.C. that just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah, no, they are. And and that's the thing. And I think that it's a good thing, Mike, that it's taking this long. One, so that people can actually gain discernment because the fake news is just crazy. And it's not just on the left. It's the right, too. Right. It's just insane. Like digital red string. You know, you, you don't know how many times I hear that someone has been hung today. OK. Or how the left is saying how, you know, we're all Hitler because we don't want to wear masks, right? So the disinformation is real and the confusion is real. So I think it's actually very important in order to get to the bottom of something. You got to be slow and concise, kind of like Garrett. I mean, when did I give him that laptop? Like last summer or something? I don't even remember. I think it was last summer, right? June? Yeah. June? Yeah, I think. And um, well, Whenever you came, when did you come to New York? The last, I think it was May the, that time when I, when I had that replicated and then he came like a month later, um, over to my place, but look at him. He's been writing this report since June, right? 
And it's now February, almost a year, and not even all of it is out there. He's taking his time. He's being thorough. He's actually calling these people, you know? That's what's so cool, too. (laughs) You know that? He's, like, calling them. I don't think people appreciate how much is on there. Like, I would just think of a name, and we would search it on there. Yeah. And and then, sure enough, something would come up about this. Like, people I know from college that are on there, that I know well. (laughs) And and I saw some names that I was like, wait, what? Why is what, you know, but it's so, there's so much because there were a lot of email accounts, right? And there was a lot of information and there was a lot of, you know, funny business with the executive office back then. I mean, I think that when, when it's done and with all the right people helping Garrett to get it done, Garrett has his own little team, right? But I'm like, Hey, I found this. I'm like working on this angle with the, with the thing that you told me, I've been working on that like crazy because that that's a rabbit hole in itself. Like the conversation of that business person, right. That you told me about. Yeah. That's huge. Right. And it's like, you know, how is he going to figure it out in all those emails? So it's best if I just give it to him in a package and then he can then make the phone calls and put it out in a more, um, you know, Mueller report type style. You know what I mean? That's what he's doing. And and that's so close. They don't even use his last name. It's like you wouldn't really know that that's him unless you really look at the context. Yeah, what refer to him as because that's not what people usually would call call him. him. (laughs) Right, and that's the other thing. So a lot of people that actually had the laptop wouldn't be able to do anything with it because they don't know a lot of stuff. Right. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, I saw some companies and I was like, oh my gosh, like what? And then the guy that, that works with me, right. He saw something, he was like, wait a minute, that's from like Haiti. And it's like, whoa, you know, so all of this, this laptop, it could possibly impeach Obama even. I mean, it shows that he was using foreign intelligence emails to communicate. I mean, that's crazy. Here we got Hillary Clinton on Hillary.com on charges for that. And he's using GMX.com emails to talk as the president. That's pretty crazy, if you ask me. Yep. And it it all occurred and it's right there. But uh, I think we'll be able to do something with it and we'll be able to do something with it once we have you know, that power back. And it does matter. I mean, it's very, it's harder to do things when you don't have the gavel in both houses. And I think we're confident we'll end up being in that place if we don't let off, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the effort to make sure 2020 doesn't happen again in 2022. Oh, um, don't underestimate that. I mean, well, they're going well, they're they're, to try. They're going to come hard and, and people are tired of this. I mean, he's playing pretend war saying Russia's doing it and everyone else is kind of like, it's like, you know how I pictured it? It's like a big table with all the, you know, nation's leaders and Biden screaming, Oh my gosh, Russia's invading. And everyone's like minding their own business. And they're just like, what the hell is he talking about? Right. Um, so it's like super, super weird on a a global scale. And then internally within the United States, it's really confusing because the people that are Democrats don't support Biden. They hate Kamala, right? And, you know, this mask and COVID is not working anymore, right? So they got to up the game. It's going to be aliens or they're just going to bring back Ebola and literally put us on severe lockdown. Well, they're losing a lot. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of people, a mass exodus from New York State down here. And uh, I think 
but that isn't that isn't stopping them from continuing to play the hand. And I, I, I just can't understand why they think it's politically saleable. Maybe it is to the, to a certain part, but that will help in making their undoing. But I, you know, God bless, we're not in a place where they'll be able to stuff the ballot boxes like they were able to uh, accomplish. Well, I don't know. Don't hold your breath. In, don't in, hold your in, breath. 20, in 2024. Well, um, in 2024, it'll be completely different than it is for 2022. But you know what's weird? You know what I noticed? That a lot of people turn up to vote, but they don't go for their primary, right? Um, and that's really important. People really need to turn up on the primaries. And, uh, you know, just dipping my feet into it from the other side of the fence, I'm seeing that, um, you know, people are always told how to vote. And, yeah, who cares about the primaries? Just like when I go to the, you know, election box kind of thing. I think uh, a very strong message can be sent if the Republicans, uh, you know, and if the message was out that people should start voting at the primary. That way the message is solidified. It's really, really important um, that the message is solidified from the summertime. So that way, if they kick it up into high gear, everybody knows, you know, if they yeah. come out with something. So I think it's really important people turn up for the primaries. A lot of people don't turn up for the primaries, and that's a really big deal. So right. if we can turn up for the primaries and it's like, you know, a super red wave, right? And they're just like, and they panic the whole world will see them panic and no one's going to buy it. Right. And, and, so, and pay attention to the legislature elections in your state, the senators and, a, and in New York, they're called assemblymen and equivalent to a, a, you know, a house of representative member, but pay attention to who those people are. They're pretty malleable and generally they're part-time jobs. And these guys get that go for that easy. kind of thing. Yeah. They're, they're easy to influence, to do what you want them to do. Look, you get a, you know, you have a, a, you have a strong enough following just in yourself Tori, to send people out to, you know, campaign by these guys' offices. They all have offices and all they got to see is 10, 20, 30 people out there by their office saying anything. And they've never seen anything like that. And yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll start to understand that they're not going to have this cush part-time job anymore unless they uh, act correctly. And then if you can get people into those jobs, uh, into those roles, then, you know, that that's who has the plenary power over the election of the president of the United States. That's not the case for Congress people. It, it's just a, uh, an election controlled by some degree, the, the, the Congress and then and then the legislature. But the legislators are the guys who really have uh, have the control over how those electors are going to get seated. And that's the whole BS controversy about what Pence could and couldn't do. All he was going to be able to do and what he should have done is pushed it back to the legislatures to stop being jellyfish and make a second decision on it by delaying the count. Yeah, but wait a minute. But you knew. But but remember that document from the AFL-CIO that we were showing you with Millie? Right. In there, in that document, it said that they had already spoken to the legislators. And this is from September. So like you oh, said. Oh, yeah. They were already all over that. They were yeah, already right. bought out. They were bought out. They were bought out. Oh, yes. Out. And you were telling when I was saying it to you and Millie back then, you were like, yeah, but it's already controlled. And you actually, when I would say it to Steve Bannon, too, he would be like, look, those guys aren't going to do anything. They're, you know, they, these are a relic of the past elections. They're just spineless and they're not going to do much if anything but maybe if we kick it right to them they may have to make a decision here because constituency politics will overwhelm them and they'll you know maybe pay attention to the evidence that would have been presented on january 6th you know uh for the two hours of debate in each of these uh what was it six states 
that we were going to do it in. And that, uh, you know, uh, would have actually the, the thing that Pence shouldn't have done is actually he had there was no reason for him to put out that letter. Well, let so me tell you something. Pence, Pence colluded with Pelosi because both of them went back that night. Right. So we oh, know yeah, this. He, you yeah. and I both know this. The people don't know this, right? That he went back. He he could have done it and he didn't. But you know, you know what? I <laughs> the question that we should be asking you, Mark Short's opening his mouth, right? That hates President Trump, right? Um, yeah. was Pence's chief of staff. But before that, it was not Nick Ayers. And he left, and where did he go? He went to Georgia. That's yeah, you know what? I, I, the, I, didn't Mark Short have something to do with uh, the whole uh, Russia Gate thing too? Yes. I keep remember yes. his name popped up in there, and it turned mm -hmm. out that he had some different job or some central role. But yeah, Ayers went to Georgia. What did he do there? I don't know. You, know? you tell me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is this is it. It was a it was a good plan. But you know what? The plan should be is the people this time. It shouldn't be any operation. It shouldn't be sticking, you know, someone somewhere. It should be the people turning up for the primaries and heading down to their state legislatures. And yeah, like you said, if 20 people turn up to their office and they're like, listen, you either do this or each of us are going to bring 10 friends next time. I know where you live. You are not going to be doing this stuff. You will not sit back. You will not be, how did you say? Jellyfish. I like that. Don't be a jellyfish. Do your job. And this is how they know that there will be accountability and the people will not stand for it. They'll say, hey, we've got 300 people right now, right here, that will impeach you the minute you take office, right? The minute you do this, the minute you do that. We're ready because we're tired of this. And the minute the people stand up and just tell their leg legislators this isn't going to happen, if they turn up to the primaries, because g considerable, the majority of the, of the primaries Republicans don't turn up. It's like less than 20% in some states that they turn up for primaries. That's insane. Look, there's plenty of uh, MAGA candidates, people that can get out there and run for these jobs. It's a part-time job. Uh, it's not very hard. You're not dealing with uh, any, any uh, you know, uh, intellectual uh, geniuses that you have to work with and compete with by any means. Uh, certainly they're not like that in the Congress of the United States, but in the, in the legislatures in these places, they throw away jobs for lawyers who can't make money on their own. That's who become that. You kiss ass to the, to the leader for long enough. And then he, uh, you know, puts you up to a legislator job because you can't, and then, then, you, then, then yeah. you hook your law firm that you used to be associated with, or you associate with yourself now and they get some business out of it. And that's the way the whole scheme has worked. And I think, at this point, enough people should have been woken up to the fact that the power of the legislatures are, is very important because it can swing the power of the whole country in terms of the presidency. And uh, Not nothing just else comes out of it. Everything. Everything. Well, yes, because there's a lot of power ascribed to the states that people don't realize. It's written into the Constitution, but no one bothers to read that either. I mean, the other thing I was shocked by, these attorney experts, I mean, Patrick <laughs> would joke about it all the time. It's like... Does anybody actually read the law or actually read the Constitution? And then they would like, you know, put you down because you're not an attorney. Yeah, you know? but because you're not an attorney <laughs> or because you're not this, who are you to talk? Someone they can read. Do you read? I say this all the time to my audience. People do not read anymore at all. They don't read. They want the 140 character 
spiel, you know? But like you said with the legislators, right, the local ones, the state ones, they are pretty much washed up people. Maybe they have a little business and that's it. And then they just roll into there and they put their head down and they do what master says and suddenly their business has more business. They're suddenly on the books to be vendors. Uh, suddenly they're a law firm that, you know, gets outsourced for the attorney general's office. It's all a big scheme. It's a scam. It's an MLM scam within your government. And these are the people that they put there when it should be the moms, the dads, the bakers, the, the people that love the country that can take that part-time job. And I've been doing just that. I've been encouraging people to run in every single state, Congress, Senate, local, state, Senate, council, um, you know, uh, school boards. This is how you change things. And this is why they wanted to pass that bill, right? To federalize elections. That's crazy. Well, and that's a, that's not even constitutional. You can't federalize that which the const you could you could do a constitutional amendment, but that's why I say these are people aren't even reading the Constitution. How do you federalize it when the Constitution prescribes how it's supposed to happen in the states? Yeah, it's it's, it's like, and and the thing is, but they'll do it, and then they'll just start like lemmings following a law that's completely unconstitutional. Just like the mail-in ballots, you mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, right. And then, but you know what? The whole thing, if Pence would have done uh, what he could have done that day, if it was really against the Constitution, you don't think that the Democrats would have been right in, uh, you know, with a, uh, with an order trying to get that stopped, right? And then, and they would have done that in a second, and maybe they would have won. But you know what? There's nothing that says that he couldn't have delayed the the vote count long enough for the legislatures to to act or not. And if well, and they would have had their chance for a judicial redress. Yeah, I think they, there's nothing that says that he couldn't. You know, yeah. there's nothing that says that he couldn't. The Election Act of 1876 is a law. It's not a con. It's it's not in the Constitution. It's a law that they passed in a Congress that has long since died. So. Right. You know, and not everything, <laughs> yeah, not everything was thought of. And actually, some of the stuff that happened this time happened in 1877 when the election was that caused them to do that law because there were alternate slates of electors being put in because of governors from either party trying to put slates in uh, for the guy that they liked outside of what the legislature would have intended to, except the legislature gave them the power to go do it. So they thought it was then, you know, look. Well, no, no, no. I agree. Listen, listen. My writ, my writ of mandamus that I did in the Supreme Court in Ohio against Governor DeWine, right, um, actually cited election fraud and um, removing a governor that was not doing his job, right? And it all happened then. There's like election fraud that they talked about. This is why they had all that stuff. They would actually bully people and they would fight like fist fight. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you stole this, you're a cheater, you know, and this is why they created those, those laws. Cause they wanted to keep the peace, you know, for those that were more powerful, the railway guys, the guys that had the businesses and the farms. So, you know, it's, it's quite fascinating that people, you know, don't, don't read anymore and they just take whatever the media says for granted. Uh, having said that, I just wanted to say on the federalizing of elections. Uh, there was a, a, a person that I met, um, the other day, complete lefty, right? Complete lefty. We had a great conversation and it was the second conversation that day I had about federalizing elections. And he was like, you know, I don't know about this federalizing elections because then, you know, so then the federal government tells us like when we can vote for judges and stuff and 
sheriffs. It's, it's a little bit weird. So now even the really far gone lefties and this person, mind you, was wearing a BLM shirt with the fist, right? And had the LGBTQ flag pins in the person straight. You know what I'm saying? Two masks. And they're still getting it. They're seeing like right through it. So conversations are happening and the more pressure we put and the more louder we come out, the left goes crazier. And then the, the left, these that have a little bit of common sense, cock their head a little bit like, wait, what's going on here? So I think you're right. I think you're right. People need to turn up. I agree with yeah, you. People need to you know, pay attention. And, and I think everybody can grab a few people and get down to these action groups. Like, you know, tonight there happens to be one going on here in Naples on Tuesday nights at that uh, place I mentioned earlier. And, you know, it's those groups of people that could really sway things locally. And that, you know, was really what our plan was from almost day one. Yes, the court cases, um, uh, you know, uh, were filed, but, you know, the, the reality was the elections of, of, of representatives and the elections of certainly the president is a political is a political thing and to expect it to get cleared up by some judge who people think are learned and smart people no they're the same especially at the state level these guys are just hacks that are slightly more in with the political leaders than the state legislators or the town council people right they are a little bit more learned but they're certainly you know uh, you know, not top scholars, attorneys that are top, you know, scholars and smart go into banking and do transactions and make themselves plenty of money or quit law altogether. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, I agree. And that's, <laughs> and that's the unfortunate state of affairs in our government right now. But fortunately, there's people out there in all four, uh, you know, walks of life that are doing what the founders intended, which is a government, you know, government by the people. And that means all the people, not just people that went to law school. And the arrogance of the lawyers that were in D.C. at the time against people like me and especially, you know, Patrick, that, you know, he's a very accomplished guy. Nobody I am, but they would really talk as if you're an idiot just because yes. you law school and haven't lived in the swamp, you know, and, and say that to you. Well, like yeah, you went you to Harvard Business School, done. not Harvard you Law School. One here. individual would say that to me all the time. And I was like, what does that even mean? So I didn't go to the right law school. So therefore, you know, whatever I'm saying is doesn't matter. And he wouldn't say that directly out. He would say that later as a reason why he, I should just listen to him. This is one of the guys that I brought in, one of the attorneys I brought in. <laughs> I, I think I know who you're talking about. Because the guy looked at yeah. me and said kind of the same thing once. And I was just like, well, I am swamp. Number one, <laughs> I don't need to be a lawyer to read. <laughs> so thanks. Um, you know, that's a, you know, a, a questions that are coming up. Well, how are we going to vote on rig machines? Well, here's what I am going to start doing in my groups. Um, uh, people now are turning, are going to be turning up to the election, you know, where elections are being held as watchers. But we're also going to have people that are going to be watching for connections and um, connections like Wi-Fi connections, like Internet connections that will be monitored by amateurs from the outside. Right. And we're going to have people watching them with the ballots. We have people already within, you know, the Board of Elections that are going to be taking the ballots. They know what's coming. 
This is all happening. People are being trained. They're being taught what to ask. And this is what we're going to start to do. Like I'm going to be putting in the groups and having training groups on what to look for during elections, how to, because I poll, I poll watched in Cleveland, two locations, actually myself. I witnessed some crazy stuff, people helping people fill out ballots, right? A board of elections guy rolling in on a bicycle when machines were broken, they were putting them in some bags that didn't sound right. So I think every single American, I know that the people in my groups in my state groups would be more than fine to go and monitor elections. And I know that there's a lot of people that have amateur, you know, networking skills that can sit there and capture all the networking traffic that goes in and out, they know they're going to get caught. And so, um, so that's number one. So they're going to try to mitigate that they know they're going to get caught. But number two, we need to get the press. And in order to get the press to start talking about how bad the Democrats are going to lose, we need people to turn up for the primaries. We need them to turn up for the primaries. I mean, I'm going to have Wireshark classes online to teach people how to use that to capture things, right? And it's completely free. It's not evasive. It just listens. And I'm going to have them learn and record for every damn precinct. And that is how you win because you have the right to be able to monitor. And if they're telling you that there's no internet and you're like, well, what's this? You know, I'm standing outside and I can see there's internet. What What's happening? That could be a problem for, you know, the precinct. So they're mitigating that People are already mitigating that. We have people uh, working in the polls. We have people that are going to be poll watchers. We have people that are going to watch everything. But we also need the media to eat some crow. And this is where we need people to actually turn up to the primaries to make them know that this is not happening again. I mean, I think if we can, you know, pop both ends, it's done. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's plenty of people out there. I mean, it may be only three, four, five percent who are actively involved and involved and on these uh, shows like yours and showing up to your meetups. It doesn't need to be much more than that to really make sure that this uh, it doesn't occur again. Because what we were fighting for from the very beginning was a bottoms up audit of the of the physical thing that creates a vote, which in much, most of the places is is some ballot or a scan thereof and uh, we could never get that we could never really get that to happen uh, you know before you know in the time frame we needed to we had a lot of tops down information that showed that there were irregularities and outright fraud but as a business person I if you don't you know who would ever invest in a company that didn't give audited financials just because they didn't feel like it which is really <laughs> what, 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 how we just elected our president I mean and, IRS uh, audited <laughs> Why can't we audit the yeah. machines? <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem so hard to get, you know, to, to make that rational argument and, and have that happen. But in D.C., it's bizarre world. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's a power trip that, like you said, Tori, has been going on since 2004 that has so much money built into it that um, it's uh, it's just it's been pervasive and it, it happened to enter into my life like I can't believe it did. And one other little tidbit is in 2019, even before Rudy came on to my case or even met uh, the mayor, Frank Biden tried to come on the board of directors of my uh, financial technology that. business. Stop. Uh, I'm the only one that <laughs> talks about Frank. <laughs> 
you know, Frank Biden. I, I, when the when the CEO I hired brought on told me about that, I'm like, are you nuts? Like that's who we're gonna hire? He's like, well, I like the Biden brand. I'm like, brand? Like it shouldn't. What, what does that even mean? Brand? <laughs> I need a brand for for the for the the the, the guy who's not even president's brother. Oh you know. God. I know. I know. And that's but the that thing. <laughs> that actually happened. And I think back yeah. on it, like it should have been clued in that there was a bigger, you know, picture or a bigger meaning of things that were going on in my life. Yeah. Frank Biden. He's probably he's supposed to be the smarter one of all of them. The other. What's the other brother's name, Tori? Uh, uh, Jim, 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 Jim. Yeah, Jimbo. Yeah, Uncle Jim. Yeah. Uncle yeah, Jim. Uncle that's how Jim. he that's that's how you he shows what? up in the Hunter's laptop. Uncle Jim. Well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Frank comes out to be the mastermind behind because, you know, Biden, Joe can't tie a shoe. Jim is just dumb. Well, you know? Uncle Jim, you know, wanted to make the easy money and uh, and uh, and take advantage, uh, uh, you know, of Hunter and his, you know, his proclivities towards, uh, you know, booze and cheap women and crack. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think Frank was smart enough to stay away from that. If you, especially that's why I'm if, saying if he wanted he to be the be puppet the, master. That's what I'm saying, because nobody talks about Frank Biden. That's pretty interesting. And the Francis, fact that he's yeah, Francis, Francis like <laughs> nice <Sinatra>. and manly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 interesting because nobody talks about him, and um, you know he's the one that has that. Um, you remember where? Jim and Frank and Joe bought this island that flanks Epstein that parks submarines. It's actually a submarine island. Did you know that? That that's was in the laptop? Crazy. Um, that's actually common knowledge. Uh, in oh, the laptop, really? there was something about the property there. But we haven't, you know, I haven't diddled with that yet. That's, uh, that should be on another segment. But I think that Frank may indeed be, yeah, like you said, because he stayed away from all that stuff, and nobody talks about Francis. Yeah, he's barely present in the lab. Well, he kind of looks like Joe, too. Like, he kind of does. <laughs> kind of does. Just uh, kind of does. But um, totally, uh, totally random. You know, if indeed the ca your case was tried in 2019, we probably wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, possibly, possibly it would have been. Uh, it just seemed like everything kind of fell in place against it coming, like purposely. Uh, you know, everything fell in place against it coming out. You know, not only to trial, but even to the point of, you know, a, a complaint. Pieces of it there were complaints about before in other forms, but the piece we were doing with Rudy didn't really get past the demand letter piece before we were just thrust into the whole uh, Ukraine thing, which is another you know, thing that people don't know about. I mean, they're investigating, or were investigating, or still investigating uh, Rudy about the, um, you know, Ukraine, but he had another client, namely me, that was, uh, that we were doing work on, um, uh, uh, for my case, uh, on, uh, on Ukraine because of its tie to Cambridge Analytica, and that had nothing to do with wanting to get dirt on Biden, per se. Certainly, that could have right. been part of it, but but um, that was a big part of what we were doing with respect to Ukraine, and uh, you know, the, but the, you know, look, they're trying to pin all kinds of stuff on all kinds of people, and Rudy, unfortunately, has a, a target on his back because of his uh, ties, uh, you know, with Trump and the patriotic duty that he felt he needed to, you know, he needed to um, uh, 
he needed to stay in the stay in that place, even though he could have been doing a lot of other things uh, during that time period. And God bless him, because if it wasn't for him being in that spot, probably things could have gone in a, in a, in a, in a, a few different long dire- wrong directions at the behest of some of these uh, bad actors or counter intel pro types that were trying to uh, um, uh, force us in a direction that would have been, um, let's just say, ill-advised or false flaggish or you know, following false information to make us look bad or do things that might have even been illegal. So thank God for you know, Rudy staying in that position the whole time. I think well, he's, he's, he's a lot of that too. Yeah, I know. And a lot of people, I know they have questions. By the way, Phoebe's popped onto the feed now that she's, she says, hey. Um, oh, hey, uh, she, wanted make, she wanted to Phoebe, say, hey. Phoebe was a trooper during a lot of this, a lot of that too. Is that the first time I, I met you? <laughs> yeah, she was kind of like half asleep and doing homework on her computer all the time and being in that room. <laughs> um, so that yeah, she was a little trooper. Um, the thing that, you know, uh, a lot of people are asking is number one, you know, oh, uh, how's Rudy and, uh, you know, Patrick Byrne, how are they talking now? You know, he said bad things about the mayor and I'm like, I don't think people understand the climate that we were in. Right. Mike, I mean, it, it was, it was completely different, but they are both fighting on the same side and it's fine. I mean, I, I can't say it in any other way. Like, you and me can fight, right? So no, does that mean anything? Yes, but yes. No, we yeah. haven't. Probably over <laughs> dinner, maybe. But I'm just saying, like, you know, people can have when they're tensed and, you know, with all that that happened in the White House and paperwork and this and ideas, you know, um, th- that was a that was just heat of the moment stuff. I mean, I don't know why people don't get it. Well, like, Rudy's also a, you know, he's been in politics for a long, long time, and anything that Patrick would have said is far from the worst thing that, that people yeah, who he continues yeah. to have relationships with, because it's the name of the game. If you're going to get mad about anything everybody ever says, right? You know, and remember, we're working the clock there. You know, Rudy's a seventy-five-year-old guy, and and at the end of the day, he wants to have a scotch or two. He he deserves it. You know, uh, well, uh, we were and, at three in the morning. Two, three in the morning, we would be raiding Doritos and water, you know, because we'd remember to go eat, right? Everyone was working around the clock. I agree. And you and, couldn't, and you couldn't have cigars. And this is a guy that likes to have a cigar every day. You're in the middle of a hotel room. You, there, there were no balconies. There was no place to have a cigar. And you know, so we were, you know, literally sequestered. And and it's not like he's like me or you. Or you got to remember, he can't just go walk out walk of out. the hotel yeah. room and go yeah. for a walk and have a smoke or go grab a bite to eat or whatever. He's in the room. And. Yeah. Uh, and he was working uh, you know. nonstop. Like, yeah, like you said, people don't understand. He's like over 70 and he's working nonstop. And people didn't appreciate that. They would trash, they would say, but they weren't there to see it. I remember how many times, you know, we'd be up to like 3, 4 a.m. plowing through data, uh, going to meetings, uh, getting more things done, waiting around for meetings. That was the worst part, right? The waiting, right? We're going to have a meeting and it's like the waiting it was crazy. And I can imagine, you know, the mayor had like a hundred people he had to meet with and he had to do things. Right. So that was, um, that, you know, it was highly stressful, highly confusing. Right. And there were so many people in there. 
I mean, you know, everybody also had a life. It's not like your life was living at the hotel and going through data, was it? You had a pregnant well, wife. I had a kid complaining with homework, right? I, I mean, that's that's the way it was. It, it, look, it was it was Rudy's and Patrick's life. You know, may have might have been completely mine um, or, or yours, but they you know lived and breathed this stuff, and and, and literally still are. And, and in a lot of ways, it's metastasized in a lot of bad directions. Uh, you know. For those guys, especially uh, Rudy, so he deserves a lot of um, uh, a lot of support through all this, and um, and he doesn't complain about it at all. You know, literally, it's uh, you know it, you could listen to his show, and you've been in touch with him a lot, so have I. But he's um, you know he's a great patriot, and um, I'm honored to be you know have been able to help in the Me little too. bit I was yeah. able to. You know something else. You know when they raided um, the mayor's house, right? He they took everything, right? They, they, they even cloned the phones and everything, right? Except, um, except for the hard drives. Of I know. They didn't want to touch that. And it's like, why not? You're, you're coming in here with a warrant, take it all. And it's like, they just didn't touch that. I think that one of the drives, because when I was there after the raid, one of the drives weren't actually working. So must've been some funny business or maybe it just died. Right. But, um, Those things were tossed around so much. It's like they only were going to last so long. And plus, we were really, you know, they were pounded on for a while. But you know, thank God we were able to, you know, reconstitute yeah. a bunch of them, which you were key in, and that's why they're in, you know, they're in the the right place right. now, yeah. getting analog, uh, analyzed, and um, yeah, no, it'll come like, out. It's yeah, got to come out when we have the power to do so. That's what people have to remember. I mean, if you put this stuff out right now, but a lot of it's going to get buried. And one of the ideas uh, uh, one, or the idea of having that debate in the Congress of the United States that could have happened in those six states, right? That would have been, what, 12 plus hours of debate in a, in a highly legitimate forum as, as viewed by the, the citizens of the United States would have... Uh, allowed people to see that see the information that they weren't seeing in these BS rulings that are all on a bunch of pieces of paper that are put in front of a judge and then they just give you a three word answer. This would have been a debate in front of the whole country, in front of the Congress. And they would have so, heard it, uh, not behind closed they doors. Heard it. So similarly, yeah. when we you know when we get uh, back control of these bodies, that's when we really want to take all the information that we've gleaned because now it's because the press will have no choice they have no choice but to cover what's going on in the congress lest they might try to ignore it they can't so you know you got to be very careful about putting out a lot of the well we could put it out it's just going to get quashed down it's in terms out. of the mainstream yeah. but they can't ignore it when we have the majority and we're doing these you know things uh, to you know have the evidence heard you know doing it from a position of strength which if you know if things continue <laughs> he's going to screw up on it that's the other thing we we're saying you know at the time the guy's going to blow himself up anyway um, right. not that that means you do nothing but you know the inertia of you know having a senile old man in who the white house you, and, and, yeah who 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 is beholden to the progressive left is going to blow itself up and it it is and it has and you know, we'll be having a completely different discussion this time next year. Knock on wood. No, oh, yeah, and we are with, with oh, the yeah. help of God and uh, all of our prayers. Be, is yeah, that's the thing. And um, Mike, I would love to have you on again. 
um, where we can like, you know, when we get to the point where we're discussing Cambridge Analytica more, right? Um, because I think, you know, most of my listeners, when they listen uh, to my shows, uh, they usually go and do their own homework and kind of revisit things, right? Um, and I think that would be oh. something, something that once they delve into it, they'll have a lot of questions. And I think at that point, we can actually talk more about that because, you know, this whole data issue and then, you know, with elections, not here overseas, right? For now, um, should be discussed. It's not. It's well, here's a, here's a little bit of homework, which I think people can find relatively easily. Uh, and it's not the obvious person who, uh, people that they say was backing Cambridge Analytica. Um, uh, but that's, you know, the, I won't say who it is because I think it's relatively easy to figure out. There's been books written about it and you could find out who was really behind it and why they ended up being behind it. And it has to do with a, a lot of money and a, and a, and a very important business re reason going into the 2000s and beyond. It's one of the big topics of technology. So, um, Wait, you can't. Oh, that's like a cliffhanger. No name, no hint, no. Well, I think people will figure it out. And then when I come on again, we'll, we'll, we'll say who it is, but people will be able to figure it out. It's not Mercer. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll give that well, hint. By the way, just so, just so you know, um, uh, speaking of 2004, you know, um, we finally got some subpoenas done. Um, and I know tomorrow, because they have to go to federal buildings, others will. But all the questions on my subpoenas have to do with 2004, except for Jen Psaki's, which has to do with Ukraine, right? And that's relevant to information in my affidavit, because obviously, even though out of all the affidavits, mine's was cite and source, no one kind of talked about it, right? And uh, it's pretty cray-cray. Um, but it all leads back to 2004. The irony of it, look at that, Mike. I'm living in Ohio right now, and my case is being tried in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Like, how crazy is that for irony? It's almost like 2004 all over again. Well, you're a time traveler. So. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so there we go. So that, then that. But, the, you know, it, it, didn't, it wasn't something that I picked. It just happened. So, um, you know, I, I think um, Saki, Carrie, and uh, Gates and Brennan are finally going to be served tomorrow so we can finish that. And um, in a couple of days, I'm waiting to hear back from Halderman because I subpoenaed him for that report. So I should have it by Valentine's Day. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And, and, uh -huh. and just saying, while you guys are doing your homework, remember what happened in the 2000s rather than me giving it away. You know, I see the ticker going on here. I'll give a little more. It's a business person. It's a well, it's a business entity and business interest, not a not a, a politician, and um, and uh, there's a woman by the name of Brittany Kaiser, who wrote a book, and uh, if you go into that, you'll start to figure out um, who she was working with and for at her in her role at Cambridge Analytica because she more or less says it in a book even though she uses uh, pseudonyms yeah she does use pseudonyms and they can also watch it on the segment that Gavin put in uh, the Shadowgate part where we talk about Brittany 
you know. Oh, was she in that? Yeah, she was in Chattergate. Yeah, she was. I mean, you can't talk about data no. mining and, you know, internet, interactive internet activities and not talk about Cambridge Analytica. Like, well, but um, it's not Gates and it's not Zuckerberg. Yeah, it's not. Zuckerberg <laughs> came way after that. <laughs> he just He's just riding that train. But um, okay, so Mike, thank you um, for coming on. Uh, I, uh, I know my listeners are, you know, those that are going to be listening in on podcast, I can tell you that now I'm going to see if I can share the channel, but now I'm also streaming in Korea. Um, and that's because I tested it on a Korean channel and I wanted to find a more front facing one so people could jump on and see what Koreans are about too. I think that's important, right? But, um, It'll be, it's going to be quite interesting when you hear the Koreans are all over this in the Cambridge Analytica. They're going crazy because they're talking about the connections with LG and uh, Cambridge Analytica. So it's kind of cool, you know, for the ones that are actually typing in English that I can see. So I just <laughs> thought I'd tell you that. <laughs> so, um, so the Koreans, it was today was the first time I actually ran it on the Korean, on the Korean main channel that they have. And I'm thinking of possibly joining a Korean site. Um, and they love you. They're just like, we don't know who he is, but we're going to find out. So, you know, they'll probably get clickety clacking. Those um, are the South Koreans, right? Yeah, South Koreans. I mean, the North <laughs> Koreans don't get access. Well, you know, supposedly they don't get access. So um, we'll we'll see. But um, thank you so much. And I can't wait no, to well, see thanks. you again. We'll, we'll connect at some point, I'm sure. Yep, we'll see you down in Florida or maybe yep. New York. But thank you, everybody. And thank you, Tori, for having me on. And we'll be, uh, we'll be, I'll be back soon. And we'll uh, discuss the homework. <laughs> yes. God bless, Mike. Thank you. All right. God bless you, you too. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Good night. Okay, guys. So that was my friend, Mike. Um, uh, He's an amazing person and he gave you a great task for those of you that don't want to go into crazy rabbit holes. On that note, I'm going to wish you guys a fantastic evening and tomorrow we'll get into Stone and Warren Buffett and how Stone Co., not Roger Stone, the company, may have me eating a little bit of crow if I spoke too fast on Warren Buffett. So we'll be the judge of that tomorrow together. God bless everyone. I'm crawling in my skin Sometimes I feel like giving up But I just can't It isn't in my blood It isn't in my blood Looking through my phone again, feeling anxious, afraid to be alone again. I hate this. I'm trying to find a way to chill. I can't breathe. Oh, help me. It's like the walls are caving in. Sometimes I feel like giving up. No medicine is strong enough. Someone help me. I'm crawling in my skin Sometimes I feel like giving up But I just can't It isn't in my blood It isn't in my blood I need somebody now I need somebody now Someone to help me out 
Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I just can't. It isn't in my blood. It isn't in my blood. I need somebody now. I need somebody now. Someone to help me out. I need somebody now